Shock. 
Like, I'm Jesus. Fool of myself. <laughs> All right, we're going to go into uh, movie news. Movie news. Okay, our first piece of quarantine news. Brian, we've got drive-in cinemas are booming in the US. Yeah, this is really interesting. There's a cinema in Texas that uh, obviously had to close down because of social distance and, and what have you. And they basically turned the projector uh, of their cinema outward to this like wall that they had specially painted with this paint. Oh. And now they're like screening uh, like old films for people in the local area. And it's actually free to get in. Oh. And all you have to do, yeah, no, it's so cool. And you have like this little app and you can buy buy food on it. And it's just, apparently like it's being replicated right across the US, like loads of drive-in cinemas. I've seen like their attendances go way the fuck up. And I think it's brilliant. Like, I think it's just, it's so kind of, it's so, uh, what's the word? I don't know. There's something. There's something really romantic about drive-in cinemas. I don't yeah. know. Oh my what god! Do you think about it? Yeah, definitely. Is there any capacity for something like that in Ireland? There is. There's one in Leopardstown, I know, but they've had to close down because Ireland is in lockdown at the minute, and it's like non-essential, non-essential shops and businesses have been told to close. Don't remind um, me. I know. It's so, <laughs> so, it's so. Oh my god! I can't wait for like shops to open again, just so I can have somewhere to go. But, um, <laughs> it's yeah no the one in Leopardstown I think they were told to close down while the lockdown is up so like after Easter Sunday I think they're going to reopen yeah um, but yeah no that's I mean I think a lot of cinemas have closed right now and I don't think they're going to reopen until everything's kind of cleared but like the yeah. driving cinemas can work fine because you're basically driving in and you don't have to get out of the car yeah you're locked in Correct, yeah. So I think I d- it kind of works for social distance in that regard. Yeah, I know. It's a shame. I Hopefully, if this thing cures itself by the summer, the I, there is one in Ireland. I didn't get to it in Ireland before, but there's one in Meath. That's right, yeah. I, I, would, that was, I think I went to that one before as well. It's really, you, you tune in on the radio to get the, um, to hear what's, yeah, hear what's on screen. Yeah, there, I've I've been to one. I saw The Incredibles two in a drive-in cinema in America. Oh, it's wow. a different experience. It's so wholesome. Yeah, it really is. Like, you ever been to one day? I haven't actually. I'd really love to though. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Like, I remember the drive-in like scenes in movies, like the iconic ones, like in Greece and stuff like that. You know. So yeah. We'd have to like hide somebody in like the boot though. <laughs> For the real experience. <laughs> you can stay in the boot for the whole thing. <laughs> Audio description. Okay, we've got three comedies each that we're going to talk through today. Um, obviously, there's a lack of new releases. So we've decided to go with your favorite comedies ever. I kind of feel like that's a bit of an ask. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't want my three to represent the be all and end all. But I don't know, what, which you want to go first? Well, I mean, like, the thing is, like, tests, tastes are constantly shifting. And I don't think that people are going to kind of hold us to these. But at the same time, you know, when you ask kind of, and I, I actually did a thing and it's on site, it's on entertainment.ie now, where I asked a bunch of actors and directors their favorite movies of all time. And a lot of them were kind of saying, oh, you're putting me on the spot here. But I think that the ones that come to your mind most immediately and when you list those three they do kind of reflect something about you maybe just in that kind of moment and stuff yeah yeah by the way that video i was so hungry for that content i didn't realize uh liam neeson's favorite movie is ben-hur and they're all real character you're like oh i get it yeah that would be Liam Neeson's favorite film. Yeah, like Elizabeth Moss listed um, All About Eve. And I was like, that's such an actor's movie. And she was like, it really <laughs> is. And then like Michael Caine picked Casablanca. Um, Taika Waititi picked like Jaws and Badlands. Badlands, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was really kind of interesting putting it together because <laughs> it's actually something we started like Back in, I think it might have been like 2016 or something, we started ask, yeah. asking actors and directors in interviews for their favorite movies. And I was like, you know what? Like, we might as well actually just 
put it together and get this shit done. Like now is the time to put this <laughs> out. Um, yeah, so I'm quite proud of it. Yeah, it's great COVID content. Great COVID content. And who do you want to go first? Sure. Or yeah, will we do one each. Give us a give us a wee. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go in a circle. Um, so I picked. Oh my gosh, I'm actually. <laughs> Forgetting what movies I picked. Clueless, I think, was one of them, wasn't it? Clueless. <laughs> yeah. Um, ironically, because I'm clueless, apparently. But um I love this movie. I rewatched it a few weeks ago on Netflix. That's why it um came to my mind. Paul Rudd is just ageless, like genuinely looks the exact fucking same <laughs> as He's he always identical did. Now, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just such a great film and I love how it's such a great parody of Emma, but it's also a great parody of like 90s LA living yeah. and just like spoiled princess daughters, which I can also readily relate to. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. You said it, not me. I just want to make that clear. You said that. Did you not also me. have like a Windows 95 operated wardrobe? That, oh, I wasn't like, that bad. It wasn't that You bad. couldn't simulate your outfits? <laughs> but um, no, I just think that it's a really, it's a really great, it's a fun, funny movie, brilliant performances. Brittany, even like loads of the supporting characters like um, Brittany Murphy, I think is great. In oh it. my God. Yeah. And yeah. Um, whatchamacallam, I always forget the name of that actor. I just call him Turk. But uh, uh, <laughs> Donald Faison. Donald Faison. That's the one. Um, he's really funny in it too. It's it's a gas movie, you know. It's and it's always oh, it just warms your heart every time you go back to it. You know, it's lovely. I actually noticed as well. I was I watched um, Emma the the new um, the new one with Anya Taylor Joy. They actually copied her that like yellow and black thing that she wears. No uh, way. That, yeah, they like Emma copied Clueless. Copied like a lot of color schemes. You that, are joking. Yeah. Full circle. It was, a full circle of like kind of everyone kind of copying everyone else but yeah it was funny like yeah. I'm still reeling by the way from I get giddy thinking about Alan Rickman and Sense and Sensibility now it just makes me want to laugh did anyone listen to that Sonnet 130 thing I recommended last <laughs> of show of course I did I did it straight after the podcast yeah <laughs> Alan Rickman reads Shakespeare's Sonnet 130 on YouTube. Do it now. <laughs> Man, I tell you, that'll put hair in your chest. Like, that's really, like, oh my. Is there, does Alan Rickman feature in any of yours, Brian? He doesn't, no. Like, my first ah. one that I'm going to pick is uh, Airplane. And Class. the reason... It, so like, good. I mean, it's so, like, I can watch Airplane... I, if, if I had to watch Airplane every day of my life, I think I, <laughs> it wouldn't be it wouldn't be terrible to me. And it's not that like, oh, you find a new joke every time. It's just there's something so basic about it that I can't <laughs> help laughing at. Like, and it's like it's it, it's even the most dumbest of things. Like, there's one there's one scene that I love in it, and I, I, I it's it's just in the delivery of it, but it's towards the end when. Uh, they're about to land the plane yeah. and it's one of the air traffic controllers who is actually uh, Jonathan Banks. People will know as Mike Ermintrude from Breaking Bad. <laughs> but it's he's like, he's one of the air traffic controllers and he's looking at the radar scope and he goes, he's at 200, 400, he's all over the place. What an asshole! <laughs> it's just the way he says it. Just, just fucking cracks me up. Like it's the way he says, it. "What an asshole!" Just, I think I, we I talked just, about it before, but my favorite gag in it is the guy reading all the different magazines that show up. On <laughs> the, right? Boys' life, mildly and humorous, life. or something. I like what my... is it? It's like Chuckle magazine. He goes. <laughs> The little, yeah. the little girl who goes, um, I like my coffee black, like my men. Oh, there's just oh so many. <laughs> there's there's so many great lines in it. God. Th that was the thing that was, that was kind of what I was getting at with my picks as well. You're dead right about aging. Uh, compared to classics of cinema or, you know, like classic dramas or whatever, comedies yeah. really are of the time. Like, like... That's Anchorman hasn't got any less funny, but it is starting to age already. I don't know. Definitely, yeah. And like one of my other choices, and we'll talk about it in another bit, but 
one of my choices is Ace Ventura. And, like, <laughs> Ace Ventura is hilarious, but, like, it's really fucking transphobic. Like, you might as well roll with it now. What's your yeah. Ace Ventura review? Yeah, no, like, Ace Ventura, like, if you, like, it's, like, Jim Carrey is brilliant. You can totally watch this and be like, I absolutely see how he was, like, one of the highest paid actors in the world, why he was so energetic in it, but, like, at the same token, you're watching it, it's like, Jesus, this is really transphobic. Because the whole thing about Lois Einhorn and that at the end when he turns around and... Finkel. Her, yeah, Finkel as Einhorn. But the bit at the end when he like tries to pull her hair, like, it's... And everyone starts getting sick when Everybody they Everybody starts throwing up when they yeah. realize one of their co-workers yeah. is trans. And it's, it's it's just, yeah, it's just, you're watching now, it's like, that just... It's one of those things that, like, that would not be... You could not get away with that film now. Absolutely. No way. It's the backbone of the film. Yeah, totally. Like, and even compared to something like Blazing Saddles, like, I think Blazing Saddles would totally be made now. Like, sure, it's not yeah. a question, because I think Blazing Saddles approaches, you know, racism from the viewpoint of it's fucking stupid and these yeah. people are <laughs> stupid. Whereas in Ace Ventura, when everyone's like getting sick, it's like, it's played up for laughs. Like, and that's not cool. Like, yeah. I think I think I need to rewatch Blazing Saddles because I don't know I was a little underwhelmed by it. Now I will point out that I watched we watched a few Mel Brooks movies in a row, and yeah. Young Young Frankenstein was young just Frankenstein. so fucking funny. It's like, just outside of my list. Yeah, start like start to finish. I was laughing during that movie, and the producers like. It takes you a while to warm up to it, but once you get into springtime for Hitler, you're just gone. <laughs> putting on the Ritz, though, gets oh me every God. Putting, on, putting on the Ritz gets me. I don't know what it is about, like, your man Peter Boyle, where he's like, Putting on the Ritz! <laughs> I don't know, there's something about, like, shouting in, like, comedy that makes me laugh. I don't know why. Even Actually, the remake of the producers, I thought, was uh, still really enjoyable. It's just such a good plot. I haven't yeah. seen. Um, I haven't seen the remake actually. But you know, just before we move on from Ace Ventura, when I was about twelve, um, I was obsessed with Jim Carrey movies, and there was a drawing competition for draw a poster for your favorite movie, and I drew Ace Ventura, and I won a restaurant voucher. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Back when Which I could restaurant? draw, it was you know what it was. I think it was called Papagallo's, and it used to be wow. in Stalorgan and the place shut down, which is such a shame because it was like our favorite <laughs> Italian. It was around the corner from like um, Bonti Beach Club. Um, We're not all from the South Side, D. <laughs> yeah, Bonti Beach Club. You could not frame of reference here. So South Side, that podcast. and Wes. Yeah, people will a, a certain a certain listenership out there will know exactly what I'm talking a about. Subset <laughs> of the film show audience <laughs> who also knows South Side. Uh, my first choice, uh, and I watched it last night to double check. Um, I picked In Bruges. Ooh. Very, very black, dark comedy. I've almost, you get, you get so excited to see, uh, Colin Farrell, um, play off against Brendan Gleeson and the, the, how good they both are in it that you're like, this is a huge laugh. And then you forget it's so dark. Uh, but it's the it's the classic McDonough kind of thing. Like you can really see, I don't know. It's just it's it's almost OTT dialogue all the time. Yeah, I always feel I like it's... his scripts take good actors to pull off or something. They're quite voluminous or something. Mm-hmm. It's that... very raw. Like I think I think a lot of his like scripts are very very raw. But yeah, I think In Bruges is his best film. Like I put it over Three Billboards any day of the week. Same. That's, yeah. Same. Yeah, I prefer in Bruges as well. Yeah, I I really liked Se- is Seven Psychopaths is him as well, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah. was his follow up to In Bruges. Yeah, yeah, I really liked that one. I have to say because I'd heard mixed things. I'd heard that it put some people really off, but I was like, this is great. Um, I wasn't vibing with it, so I'd love to go back now because I think I had very high expectations going into Seven Psychopaths. See, I think that these kind of movies actually warrant rewatches because when the first time I saw it in Bruges, I was like, how is this fucking funny? This is a messed up movie. Yeah. And like, I watched it a couple of more times since and I just like laugh from start to finish. It's so yeah. funny. Ray Fiennes in it is. It's his, one of his best performances as oh, well. Oh yeah, he's great in it. Yeah. 
You're an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> we got one swear, I think. Yeah, I don't. I didn't want to use the c word bit, but the bit when he talks about his his c word kids, like, <laughs> yeah, come I on, know. like, brilliant. Do you? What's your next pick? My next pick um, is Life of Brian. Oh, so, yeah. And you know what's similar to... Um, it's funny how it's a generational thing because we were talking about Airplane just there and both Airplane and Life of Brian, my dad introduced me to. No so way. like that kind of really means a lot to me. Both of them were on the telly one night and he put them on <laughs> and I was like, Dad, no, not your boring old farty unfunny <laughs> comedies and then i ended up being like these are two of the best movies of all time i yeah. i'm glad i i am glad i listened to my dad um life of brian is just brilliant i mean it's funny because i've probably seen holy grail more and i i watched that one more recently but they're both they're both brilliant and i mean always look on the bright side of life is probably one of the best endings to a movie ever so <laughs> it really is like um i've only saw the holy grail recently as i was explaining but um life of brian is such a classic kind of worn out vhs tape in our house isn't it um, funny though that like there's something about life of brian that I, I i think like compared to something like holy grail it actually feels more it, it's like there's an actual story because if you look at like the meaning of life it's basically yeah. just like it's just like random sketches mm-hmm. yeah and holy grail it's like they had like a morsel of an idea and then they kind of lost their way halfway through because they yes. weren't arsed doing it like whereas life of brian feels like there's there's a real arc like and there's a real kind of like story to it like and the structure. sets and stuff like it's it's that yeah. classic biblical setting that just looks you associate it with ben-hur and that kind yeah. of stuff it's you'd watch it all day long and that's like that's true. it, like and the fact that they were ripping the piss out of like Ben Hur and you know the Ten Commandments, like and we're doing it so well, like Saint Tibulus. But like Life of Brian as well, that one actually had a budget. Like <laughs> holy grail, they just ran <laughs> out of money, and then they like they like included that as the ending to the movie. Those guys were just so fucking brilliant and creative. Imagine them making a movie right now in these times we are living in it would be fucking brilliant you just know they would come up with the best ideas oh i wonder what kind of cool vines they would make i think vine has been defunct <laughs> they'd be on tiktok, TikTok. python on tiktok <laughs> silly walks or something like that huh brian what's <laughs> oh you've done two now uh, yeah oh what was, uh i was gonna say napoleon dynamite yeah i love napoleon dynamite I'm not mad That's about it. it. <laughs> I'm not mad oh, about what? it. But I've only seen it once, so maybe I do need to kind of go rewatch it. But I remember when it was out, everyone being obsessed with it. And then I saw it and I was yeah. like, it's okay. The final dance scene, I'll give it to it. That's that's phenomenal. But it's it's stylized. It's like so it the style is the movie in that like it's the kind of thing that like I could see how people could hate it. If you get it on a bad day, you're like, oh, it's this weird rural American setting. But I just love it. And I don't know if it's just because that dance was my first ever Bebo flashbox. <laughs> We're just also the lines old. Of, yeah. See, that's and it. Who's it's the lead, lines. Brian? I forgot his name. Uh, John Cryer. Yeah. Or no, John John Heater. Sorry, John Heater. Um. But yeah, like I like the one the the line that I always think of when I'm talking about Napoleon Dynamite, and I, me and my brother used to do it. Like it was like, "Tiny fat lord, come get some dinner." (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he's like throwing like he's scooping the thing and throwing even the the casserole dish is just yeah. yeah. My favorite line is uh, definitely (laughs) when the girl arrives at the door. And she's selling bracelets and she goes, I'm trying to get myself through college. And Napoleon's brother from the couch goes, your mom goes to college. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Or even the bit with like the, the song he does at the end, not as much as I love technology. Like, just like, like, I bought it's a so vote for Pedro t-shirt. Like, so bought into the whole thing. I just loved it. But isn't it funny though that like I don't think Napoleon Dynamite it's like the the guy who directed it I don't think he ever 
did anything else. Like, really? It was really kind of a, yeah, I think it was like a one and done kind of thing. Do you know thing, what? Like, it was like an MTV production or something. Yeah, that's right. I think it was MTV, yeah, yeah. Did they ever keep up with the old films, no? I, I don't know. I remember even like John Heater ended up like fading into obscurity in the years that followed because I remember he had a supporting role in this movie. I used to be a major like rom-com fan. I just went to yeah. like all the romantic comedies, but he was in this one which looking back probably wasn't very good with Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo called Just Like Heaven. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah, Reese Witherspoon sp- plays this well, you well, I don't want to give it away. She's she's oh. a ghost. But <laughs> who's um like haunting mark ruffalo and they were meant to like go on a date together and now she's in the apartment and he's renting the apartment or some weird coincidence like that and he plays like this kind of ghost book seller who's the only guy who believes mark ruffalo that this is happening um but i don't remember him being in anything else besides that movie like i remember being really confused when i saw him out of that makeup or whatever yeah yeah, weird one. Oh, I'm looking at a picture of him now. Oh, he actually, hmm, he smarted up a bit. He looks well. <laughs> Just saying. What's your third? My third. Yeah. I picked, I picked actually a more recent one. Um, this is the end, which oh, yeah. I just think is fucking phenomenal i i went to see this somewhere i think it was odian blanchard's town or something and there were there was like a drink reception reception before um and i thought that it was just the drinks made it hilarious but i've seen it several times since and <laughs> it is just a cracking fucking movie so for anyone who's not familiar with it it stars a bunch of like actors playing themselves like danny mcbride james franco uh yeah. seth rogan jay baruchel um the frat pack the frat pack and they're all (laughs) trapped in james franco's house because he throws a housewarming party and then the apocalypse happens they're trapped in um loads of people pop in like emma watson rihanna paul (laughs) rudd just come in playing themselves have absolutely amazing cameos and they just talk about being of its time again it's already starting to feel like a snapshot oh it's so it's so fucking funny and like just the guys are so vulgar with each other like i could not stop laughing during the when james franco was giving out about danny mcbride like wanking on his magazines and leaving marks <laughs> t yeah looking at you down the webcam here, like, <laughs> oh don't make that symbol Brian that's, stop um, what, d- what, it's so, what's your third it's so Brian? funny that's a really my good third. Shit, yeah. Um, my third is Groundhog Day and I know that's really obvious and mm-hmm. I know it's kind of like it's you no know, like when you talk about rom-coms it's like the one but like it's it, it's it's a very very funny film because it's really about a terrible person who embraces being a terrible person learning to let go of it like and like that's always you know but that's always been a thing like i mean i think some of bill murray's best work is is in that like scrooged is basically that it's a redemption story he's very similar in them yeah yeah very similar but like whereas scrooged is like him gone completely full tilt i think in groundhog day it's, it's a little bit more studied it's a little bit more kind of refined i think yeah but it's still hilarious like i mean the fact is, is that, you know, the fact that it was the, it was, it's the film that he's most readily associated with. And mm-hmm. there's not like an ounce of fat in that film. There isn't one part of it that True. you could say, oh, we'll get rid of that or we'll cut that out. You don't really need this. You don't really the need that. The setup is so good. The script as well is just. Exactly. Exactly. And like, even in how he manages to wring every bit of humor out of it without making it seem like there's any effort to it yeah. you know that sort of way like it's just it's so effortless like that's the mark of like real skill i think yeah um i also feel like with bill murray and harold ramey it's like you'd have to be good pals with bill murray to get that kind of performance out of him it is constrained yeah. while be- having a lot of improv because he has to hit a lot of beats like yeah completely and like the fact that like you have that shorthand again it is that thing of like you're absolutely right. I think if Bill, if this was given to anybody else and it was given to any other actor, you wouldn't have produced the same thing. You just wouldn't have. Like, yeah. Um, 
because I think the shorthand that the two of them had, the fact that they had done like stripes and that they did Ghostbusters and they just, you know, knew each other from like Second City and all that. The fact that they had yeah. those years of connection meant that there was that level of, um, not to get really turtlenecky, but that level of simpatico that like everything worked in harmony with each other. Like, I'm hanging up this call, Brian. I'll see you later. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was so wanky. That was so wanky. I'm sorry. I I no. just I just feel like every time I hear Brian describe like Bill Murray in these movies that you just you just see yourself in Bill Murray, don't you? <laughs> Fuck you. That's not true. At all. You always you're always talking about him as like a grumpy man who gets redeemed. I think you're hoping for the same. <laughs> that, he is wearing a trench coat actually. Now that I look again. <laughs> I'm not wearing a trench coat. <laughs> fuck you she might have a point Brian I I mean like okay well I suppose there is that thing you of got like a bill bias. Ide- well like yeah clearly like but like I mean I think if you identify with something you're gonna <laughs> enjoy it more like you know like fucking clueless this is over, there, astral like- over again it's just oh Brian liked the film he liked <laughs> actually he got he liter- I just find this Larry because literally Brian got made fun of earlier today in a whatsapp conversation for <laughs> mentioning Groundhog Day again because <laughs> we were no t- it wasn't great it wasn't Groundhog Day it was the money pit I mentioned the money pit yeah but he also said don't about? don't talk about Groundhog Day he also said that yeah true <laughs> true no, it's valid. It's valid. And actually, this teases us up well. Wait, do you had you had another delicious one? Oh, I snuck in Shrek 2. <laughs> I fucking love Shrek 2. You can't give me shit for putting in Groundhog Day. Go fuck yourself. You can't give me shit for putting in Groundhog Day. I relate to the ogre. <laughs> there no. you go. Slagger that way, Brian. No, I just love Shrek 2. I swear to God. Like, it is... I think it's... You know what? We talked before about comfort movies. I think Shrek 2 yeah. for me is the ultimate comfort movie. It's just, mm. oh, it's so good. I love all the characters. I love the story. I love the soundtrack. I just love everything about it. The cast is fucking perfect. Better you than know? the first. I think. Well, you've got John Cleese and Antonio Banderas and Julie Andrews in there as well. And yeah. uh, whatchamacallum, Rupert Everett and um, oh, he's so Jennifer Saunders. Like, it's just the best, like, cast and the characterization. Oh, I just love that movie so much. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's um, teed up where I'm going next because I've uh, collected a few. I sifted through what's currently available on Amazon Prime and Netflix. And I'm going to read out a few titles. Um, these are just what came to my attention. I was like, oh, oh wait. Yeah. Oh wait, did you did you mention a third Owen actually? Oh, what was yeah, my what was delicious third? Um, mm, oh, it was between a few. Do I want to talk about Oh Brother Where Art Thou or Happy Gilmore? <laughs> Happy Gilmore. No, I'll go Oh Brother Where Art Thou. It's savage. Oh. Do not seek the treasure. Would and again, you- it's John Turturro. Uh, Oh my god, what's the other guy's name from Watchmen? Uh, Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, he's They're, great. Yeah. So, yeah, I presume for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's George Clooney and it's the Coen brothers' take on Homer's Odyssey told via, what, southern uh, country music setting. What what would you call that setting? Kind of bluegrass. Like, bluegrass. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, like um, depression era bluegrass music. The soundtrack took off like nobody's business as well. But uh, it's just all grounded in those three performances and a weird kind of like, yes, yeah, like biblical kind of vibe off the, you know, the Odyssey. Like you have uh, John Goodman as the Cyclops. Cyclops. Mm. (laughs) And it's just, I love movies like that that have, they go from adventure to adventure, like chapter to chapter um, and where the hero ends up. Oh, wait till you see it. (laughs) But it's good, isn't it? Isn't it? I will say though that the thing I do love about it is, is that like everybody is completely committed to it, but none more so than George Clooney. Oh my god! Like, oh yeah, the whole thing about it, like that. I'm, I don't want fap. God damn it! I'm a Dapper Day man. <laughs> Even yeah, the the lean you just did perfectly encapsulates <laughs> <That's, laughs> the tilt be- of the head. Would you believe that's another comedy my dad introduced me to? 
There you oh, go. Oh, real. Yeah, yeah. But that song, like, I am the man of constant sorrow. It's a fantastic album. Oh, it's so good. Introduce me to the whole genre. I've got playlist after playlist of, like, southern bluegrass now. (laughs) Sold. So go on. Right. I'll lead you through some of my top picks. You guys ready for this? Hit it. Paddington 2 is on Amazon Prime. (laughs) <laughs> that's the I list am, I am so jealous of Amazon Prime right now and I've literally never been jealous of them I've been like I'm happy with my Netflix but right now I'm I'm feeling the sting I didn't know you could get away with not being a subscriber D I thought you would have had to embrace all media well see I, I felt like I was covered between Netflix and now I've just got Disney Plus as I mentioned last week Ah um, yes But now I may just have to get Amazon Prime as well if that's how I'm going to get Paddington <laughs> too <laughs> Yeah literally for Paddington They've also got What We Do in the Shadows Cracking. They've got Book Smart Which Ooh. is really good They've got Logan Lucky which I absolutely loved. Love that show. If you're looking to get your Adam Driver fix, uh, if you want to see Daniel Craig do a southern accent, that's a really good heist movie, Logan Lucky. Uh, we got Vice. Fair. Bit of yeah, a comedy, I, 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 enjoy, I, I enjoyed Vice. I mean, it's so dark. Like, it's so pitch black evil. Like, yeah. And it's just, it's, it, it is funny. Like. And it's got that kind of Adam McKay slickness to it as well. Uh, the last one I put down was Four Lions. I don't know if ev- everyone's seen Four Lions. Four Lions is another one that is really, really fucked up, isn't it? Like, yeah, and it kind of went under the radar. It's it's Chris Morris who invented Brass Eye uh, and was did loads of comedy writing for the BBC in the nineties, or was it Channel Four? And um, this movie yeah, no, is about four, jihadist yeah. terrorists, uh, and it's a comedy. Yeah, and like like you can tell, like he like considering like you mentioned Brass Eye and Day to Day, like he was known for like doing like these really kind of absurdist uh, parodies. But in yeah. Four Lions, it's quite real. Like it's about like a terrorist cell who are a pack of dumbasses that don't know what they're doing. Like how does and, he get the comedy out of that? Like how do you exactly how do you get the comedy out? But Jesus, he finds it, and not only does he find it, it absolutely works because. We have such a, we don't, you know, you don't think of terrorists as being these masterminds. You think of it being these <laughs> idiots, like, and it kind of, I don't want to say humanizes them, but it definitely, it definitely speaks to the inherent. Oh, it had uh, so much insight in it. Yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. The inherent stupidity of terrorism, like how it just never works. Like, Yeah. It's very huh? silly. <laughs> <laughs> the, my Netflix uh, choices are When Harry Met Sally. Of course. Easy. Easy comedy. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. I feel like this is like a list where you're like, uh, Citizen Kane, you have to go check that out. (laughs) Uh, It's a really good film, yeah. Hot Rod is on Netflix and I love it so much. It divides opinion, I think. It's very like Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) But that's Andy Samberg from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We've got Legally Blonde on there. Yeah, great one. They were watching it on that co-video party as well. Uh, Shrek one. I didn't. I don't know if they have Shrek two. <gasps> I'm appalled. They did have. I remember they had all four Shreks at one point, but I'd noticed they've kind of been taking them off and putting them back on. They've done that with a few of their titles actually. Because I wrote a piece. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Netflix recently added, or so they said, a bunch oh. of like animated feature titles, which I'm convinced is because Disney Plus just launched. And they're like, look at the animations we have, because they okay. mentioned like Megamind, um, How to Train Your Dragon, Flushed Away, Wallace and Gromit Cursed the Were Rabbit. There are a few off the top of my head. It's How to Train Your Dragon, I by the way. I didn't know they had all those. Brilliant That's pretty movie. good, actually. Yeah. But see, some of them they did have up until a few months ago like Megamind they definitely have had before because I have watched that on Netflix like a couple of years ago Um, so they're being ripped it down to put it back up they're being a bit sneaky with that and they've like added and deleted and re-added again that one it comes at night several times so Netflix can be a bit sneaky you know yeah well we're dedicating next week's episode to them I believe Netflix originals Ooh, what your favorites and least (laughs) i have things to say (laughs) 
I even know. I already know. Like I've it's falling in love. Of... It's come on. <laughs> Six underground. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, other Netflix comedies. Oh well, uh, other than that, I just had Twenty One Jump Street is on Netflix. Great. Savage, and Death of Stalin, which we know you checked out recently. I did. I loved it. It's great. Really, really, really smart, funny movie. You know, and that's brilliant it, yeah. cast. Such a cast. The that that's the frustrating thing for me with the streaming is, um, you think that list it was hard to put together. You actually really do have to sift a good bit, um, but once you know they're there, you're like, oh no way! And that's yeah, it. it's always it's <laughs> always really in- no, but it's always really enjoyable when you find it's like, oh shit, this is on. Yeah, totally. I love finding something that I'm like, oh cool, yeah. Um, I will say by Twenty One Jump Street though, how. How good was Ice Cube in it? And like, you know, it's weird because like you, you look at like him in 21 Jump Street and then you look at him in, what was that thing he did with Kevin Hart? What was it called? Ride Along? Yes, Ride Along. Yeah. How he was shit in that, but brilliant in 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Like the 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 the, 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 the divide the in quality here. between the two. I don't know even if it is the riding. I think it's just like in 21 Jump Street, He's actually like really like he's so angry in it that I just find him hilarious. Yeah. Like, even like in Twenty Two Jump Street, with that he's having that freak out at the brunch and he like starts smacking the place, like starts <laughs> destroying the place because he's so angry. Isn't that? Um, but I think that's Twenty Two Jump Street. That's Twenty. No, that is Twenty Two Jump Street. Yeah, because yeah. he's even funnier in that because uh, what should we call him? Um, not Seth Rogen. What's his name? Jonah Hill. Uh, Jonah Hill. Starts dating his daughter, his daughter and he yeah. loses his shit. <laughs> yeah, when they're, having, when, when they're having the brunch and he's it's all like... so um, good. Plus he, has, he has his character's name and then he's standing inside a glass meeting room and they're like, oh, it looks like he's standing inside of some kind of ice cube. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> he's very good as well in uh, Boys in the Hood, in fairness. And that'd be a much oh, earlier yeah, he's a good actor. He's a I great still actor. haven't yeah. seen Boys in the Hood. Oh, you have to. That's a classic. That uh, That's a quarantine must see. Ooh. You know? All right, Dan. Definitely. No, that is a really like Boys in the Hood is brilliant. Like, it's mm-hmm. so good. Well, this segues into our final segment, unless you had something D. Uh, No, I was just going to add, I only saw it for the first time like last year. And it's an interesting one in terms of we talk about movies being really up their time, but it's it's social commentary is very, it's very sharp and it's actually still very much applicable to a contemporary context. So check it out and you'll see what I mean. Ah, no, I'm absolutely writing it down. The... Two O's in Hood. <laughs> so it's on to Movies at Home. Which is basically, what have we been watching at home in our homes during quarantine? <laughs> I can actually start us off, guys. Hit it. I watched Snowpiercer. Oh, nice one. Uh, same director as... Parasite. Yeah. Parasite's Bong Joon-ho? Am I saying it right, Brian? Yes. Nice. Uh, mm, I really wanted to love it because it's got... Yeah. Uh, so, it's it's very good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on, go on. Like, it's, it's, it is. It's, it, it's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot to take. Like I knew that it was going to be such a surreal setup. And that it, like, the first thing that hit me was, like, how well designed the sets and the costumes and stuff were. It felt like I was watching something like Waterworld for the first time. I haven't seen, like, production like that in a long time. Um, But it was just so arthouse that it strayed into something like Mother for me. And I hate Mother so much. I like Uh, Mother. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't, it was like... There's, it's fantastic for dissecting in your college course, but I couldn't help but feel bad for Ed Harris with some of the lines they were given. I feel like he is much better off in Korean than 
writing in English. Uh, I loved Tilda Swinton in it, and I thought her accent and her characterization and stuff in it is brilliant. And I thought the cinematography and the idea of him progressing up the train and there's clearly like moments where he has to make a choice and the camera looks back and then it looks forward and it was really well done. Um, but overall, I, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a film. Sorry, that was my stomach. I think the mic picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your take on it? I haven't seen it. Have you seen it, Brian? I saw it years ago. I saw it years ago. I like I saw it around the same time as Old Boy, and I think I kind of conflate the two in my head because it's the sort of thing of like they were really like everyone was talking about them, and it's like oh you got to watch this film, you got to watch this yes. film. But I yeah, Snowpiercer. Like I remember, I remember enjoying it, but mm. I rem- it's same thing as well. I remember watching them being like you could definitely tell that this. English was not the first language and that there was a certain element of kind of stiltedness to it, if you know what I mean. Yes, and literally, maybe that is actually such a small nitpicky thing because it does, yeah, it's just like, I just instantly had trouble with, um, what's his name, Billy Elliot is in it. Yeah. (laughs) And he's doing a Dublin accent uh, and he says the word shite a lot. Um, What was his name? Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell, yes. Um Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I no, it's it's it is good, but yeah, you're definitely right. It is the kind of thing of like if you had to write an essay on it, like a fifteen hundred word essay on it, you could crack one out of it very, very easily. Like, yes. But to enjoy it, it's a little bit like it asks a lot of you, I think. That mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Maybe I just was a bit too fragile for it. <laughs> what um have you guys been watching? So I saw two movies over the week, um, both on Disney Plus, which I am a new subscriber to. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I tweeted Brian letting him know Ivan and I were watching Three Men and a Baby, which he was delighted about. Unbelievable um, film. Oh, it's so great. It's, it's <laughs> I a didn't lot know that was fun. on Disney Plus. Sick. <laughs> Yeah, well, we were talking about it the other week. It's because it's uh, Buena Vista, which is owned by Disney. Um, So there are a few titles like that, like there's Sister Act up there. There are a few Buena Vista ones that you're like, oh, well, that's nice to have on Disney Plus. I think they did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, so that was a lovely, lovely movie. Um, Watch that. And then have to talk to you guys about this we watched um star wars the phantom menace for the lols <laughs> yes! and it is awful Why? it's so film. bad like no one can act no <laughs> one can act in that movie like liam neeson ewan mcgregor like <sighs> i don't think they're going to be writing home about their performances in the that movie but natalie portman is painful the kid is american and his yeah. mom has a completely different accent yes. for no apparent reason. <laughs> like, I know everyone gave Jar Jar Binks shtick about it, but like everyone in that film is so fucking annoying. And just every Star Wars movie is the exact same. Like, it's the same plot Not every Phantom time. Menace. If the last movie you saw was Return of the Jedi and then you came in and saw Phantom Menace, it, it's the script. The script is diabolical. It starts with a lot of trade federation agreements and then it delves just further into that. Like, I'll hand it to it that its action sequences are good. Like, the, the, whatchamacallit, lightsaber fights still Darth Maul is a great villain, yeah. Um, Yeah. And I mean that um, the whole, the race scene is still brilliant. Um, But it is a poor, poor movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it was it just it's well documented it was when George Lucas got let loose no one was around to tell him this is stupid it's very like it's one of those films I think that you like I can't defend it at all I really can't I mean I, I mean the exact same I can say yes the pod, ra- pod racing scene was brilliant <laughs> yes the final fight at the end was very very good the music is great the production design is gorgeous. Like, it all looks gorgeous, but the actual core, the meat of the film itself is dog shit. Yeah. Um, and 
Uh, yeah, you're absolutely like, oh, and you're absolutely right. Like, it is very well documented that it was basically George Lucas was let off the hook and he just basically did whatever he wanted. Like, yeah, and that's what he came back with. Um, I disagree with you though, Dito. I don't think you can say that every Star Wars film is the same because it just isn't. Like, but they I mean, like they just repeat the same kind of core concepts between the lightsaber battles. You've got your celebration at the end. You've got your it's a trap situation like every time. <laughs> we can do this for Pixar movies. <laughs> and like to be fair, like it's 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 a structure. Like it's a structure in the sense of like it's you know uh, based on like Flash Gordon serials. The idea is that at the end of each film or each each serial, it's gonna follow a, a blueprint so that when you come to the next one, you can just it will snap together to form a big tapestry. Like, but uh, yeah, no, Phantom Menace is dog shit. I can't, I can't reasonably. It really just it did, yeah, because like George Lucas is very good at a lot of things and pulling teams together, but just in terms of the actual direction, I think. Uh, I remember there's a good story of uh, Peter Serafinowicz, you know, the British comedian. He's the voice yeah. of Darth Maul. Yeah, he didn't do the body actions, but he's the voice. Um, and he did it in one day in a studio in London. And uh, he did a take. And uh, George Lucas came on the microphone and was like, can you, uh, can you make it sound more evil? <laughs> And that was the only direction he got all day. He asked him to make it more evil like three times in a row. Just- yeah, I mean, that was the thing. There was a, I remember that was reading, like, I think it was like, or I was watching uh, Empire of Dreams and like the only direction that George Lucas gave to like Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher <laughs> in the 1977 was faster, more intense. That's the only direction he gave them. Like, and he even watched A New Hope and you can see how kind of stilted it is. Yeah. But it's just, it's way more pronounced in The Phantom Menace, I think. Actually, speaking of Carrie Fisher, I don't know if you've read um, Todd Fisher's book, though. My Girls. No, you I def- didn't read it, no. You definitely need to read it because, I mean, it's very much focused on Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher, but kind of through his perspective. I think you'd really enjoy it because I know that you're a big Carrie Fisher fan, but I just finished it and it's a gorgeous book. It made me, it was a bit emotional at the end because it goes through like, you know, what it was like living those two days because you're like, how the hell does anybody get through that? Like your sister dies and then your mom like yeah. 24 hours later, like just in, insane. But it's it's so it's so sweet. And like, the kind of old Hollywood memories and stuff and then like the really like rich privileged lives like there's a lot kind of going on in it so a, a book to accompany you know your movies our next rewatch of The Phantom Menace even though she's not in it <laughs> I will watch it again <laughs> I can't help it. We're, go- we're gonna watch um, two and three as well so I'll let you guys know how terrible they are as well. <laughs> I really am looking forward to that. All right. I think we'll leave it there for now. And we will be back next week for more remote shy talk. And we're going to be focusing on Netflix originals, giving out a few recommendations. So I'll see you later for now, guys. And uh, we'll pick this up next week. Like and subscribe. Woo! Follow us on Twitter at The Film Show.